Hey everyone, hope you are all good. So before I go into today's podcast, what I am going to announce is something pretty big. So the Female Fat Loss Program is starting and is launching already for a start date of the 8th of January. So why am I talking about it now really early on? Because I know it's going to sell out. I know the numbers are going to be at a level that we're going to sell out. So why am I offering it to the people who listen to the podcast and the email list first? Because you've been loyal. You because you've been listening to this throughout the rest the rest throughout the whole year, and it's been amazing. And the support has been amazing. So I want to reward you with being given the priority list and the offering of getting jumping in on the female fat loss program starting on the eighth of January, twenty twenty four. So what do you get? You get rid of the all or nothing approach. You get eight weeks of coaching. You get weekly check-ins, you get accountability, you get your own personalized training, whether it's home or gym, or you can do your own training. You get your personalized calories, you get an individualized coach, you get a one-to-one call with me towards the end, you get a Facebook group with like-minded people, you get weekly lives, and you did I say that you get rid of that all-or-nothing mindset? And you also know that you're taken care of in January, that you're not going to do the same silly shit that you normally do excuse my French, but it's not the same city shit that you normally do, which is go full ham and full restriction after eating all the full hams after Christmas. So if you're interested in joining the female fat loss program and getting things right in 2024 and making 2023 the last year that you ever feel like the way you currently do and know that you have the power to reset after Christmas and know that you're in safe hands after Christmas, the price is 99 euro for eight weeks. That is less than €1.80 per day. That's less than your your cup of coffee that you buy probably every single day. So if you are interested in signing up for the Female Fat Loss Program starting on the 8th of January for €99, click on the link in the show notes. If you want more information, drop me a DM or drop me an email and we can have a chat and we can kind of go from there. So it's €99 for eight weeks starting on the 8th of January 2024. Hope to see you there in the Female Fat Loss Program. And welcome to the next episode. So today's episode is actually based on a question I got in a recent talk that I did in the Knightsbrook Hotel with their members on a client appreciation night. And it was pretty cool to see a wide range of people from everyone from someone in their 20s all the way up to people in their 70s. And there was a lot of questions around female health, hormones, perimenopause, menopause. But one of the big questions that kind of stood out to me was how to exercise for weight loss after 40. And a lot of people kind of think that they know how to do it. But often what can happen is the wrong approach may be taken and beliefs can happen and identity shifts and all that kind of stuff. Because I think the really, really important piece is that and what really stunned people from the dms that i got afterwards from the people that kind of joined in was the fact that a lot of people were stunned when i mentioned the fact that the metabolism doesn't slow down until after 60 and i think a lot of people can be a little bit shocked by that stat and when the metabolism does slow down by 60 it doesn't just shut down completely because you'd be dead otherwise it kind of slows down by about by about 0.6 percent so it's not a huge amount And if you ever see kind of people who are consistent with their training, even past 40, 50 and 60, yes, the body composition changes, but they look 
stronger, they look fitter, they look healthier, whatever it may be. But I think it's important that it's not down to your metabolism, whatever it may be. There can be limiting factors around the diet struggles that you may have had in the past. There can be different food rules that you have. There might be identity shifts. There might be sleep and stress, all these kind of different things. But one of the main things I think is really, really under underutilized is element of moving regularly can help you. And it's not even about for fat loss or weight loss anymore because I, th- I do personally believe that when someone is trying to lose weight and they're trying to exercise for fat loss or weight loss, I tend to feel that they're doing it for the wrong reason. If you're looking after your mental health, then the rest will follow. If your health and your mental health is in a better place, your mood is up. And often what happens with people is when their moods drop, they're the days that they tend to go backwards. In what I mean by backwards is go into old habits. They tend to go and act like the person they used to be rather than the person they want to be. And that tends to be what happens. And losing movement and mobility as we age, can it, 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 it can easily happen. And for some people, it can be really, really hard to reclaim as well. And studies have shown that regular activity helps you to maintain your overall ability as you age. One study even showed that moderate activity helped aging adults maintain their ability to walk at 20% higher than those who were sedentary. And in that same study, that consistent exercise resulted in 28% reduction in losing their mobility. So kind of low intensity activity should really be kind of like a regular part of your week, whether that be walking your dog, walking your kids to school, whatever it may be, because it helps to keep your cognitive function, it helps to keep you moving, it keeps heart, helps to get the heart going, helps to reduce stress. And we know that stress is a massive impact on people when as we get older and as we are working in our careers and stuff. And this kind of low intensity activity can include walking, cycling, swimming, gardening, or anything that kind of focuses on any form of movement that informs a kind of a low impact on the actual body. So it's not hit sessions, it's not jumping up and down like a yo-yo, but the most common kind of low intensity activity is walking. And there's no need to go overboard with what I'm saying about joining that 10,000 steps bandwagon. Just do something. That could be anything. And I think it's important that if you... Sometimes people can say that they don't have time. And I get it when people have young families and stuff like that. They may feel that they don't have time, which is cool. They may not. But often what can happen is... It's either that they're not a priority or that they don't prioritize the exercise enough for their headspace. Or sometimes it can be down to other impacts like at the minute it's darker in the evenings and people don't feel safe. So there could be a few different factors. But if you were to actually sit down and do an audit over Christmas when you have a little bit more time to yourself and actually do an audit of your times during the week and how much time you actually to work with with the family and to work professionally and then how much time you actually make for yourself you'd be surprised how little time you actually make for yourself so no wonder no wonder we feel like we don't have enough time and often what can happen is it's the expectation of what that activity might take to actually complete 
Sometimes people think that they need to be in the gym five days a week, one hour a time, or an hour and a half at a time. They feel that they need to walk every single day and do 12,000 steps every single day. They feel they need to have every meal planned or prepped. They feel that MyFitnessPal takes forever in order to get used to or to enter in the information. But the reality is, those tasks don't take as long as you think. And what I mean by that is, you could get great results, no matter what age you are at, by doing two sessions or three sessions of 20 or 30 minutes worth of exercise a week. So that's like an hour, an hour and a half in your week that you could potentially find. Maybe even start your training days on a Saturday. So you start on a Saturday and a Sunday. So you've got your two sessions in before the week starts and do it that way. I've seen that really work with clients who have young families. With the walking side of things, maybe just going out for a walk with the dog or maybe just walking to the shop. Like you'd be surprised how maybe that might not be suitable for you because you might live down in the country. But I know like I have... A done store is close enough to me here it's about a 12 13 minute walk from here so if i have a spare kind of like half an hour 35 minutes and i need to go to the shop i'll probably just walk down to the shop and get like what is it it's about a thousand steps is it by 10 minutes so you're getting in and around three three and a half thousand steps from just a short walk you're probably getting in and around two, two and a half if you're sedentary all day. So that means you're up to about six and then get a 10 minute walk either on your lunch or on when you're out and about or when you're chasing the kids. So you probably are getting further along with your steps than you previously think. With the training aspect, you could do home workouts if you're really busy and you may not be able to get to the gym and do 20, 30 minute workouts two or three times a week and you could get great results. That's what happened with an awful lot of my clients during COVID. Obviously, we didn't have access to the gym back then, but we managed to get the sessions done. And now clients are kind of, some people are now at Christmas and stuff, they're going back into home workouts because they want to, they're moving back home or they are finding that they're just to make it easy, just easiness for themselves. One thing that can also be a massive factor is perimenopause and menopause. So as we know, perimenopause means around menopause. So it's the stage before. Menopause is actually a stage after. So for menopause to have kicked in, you must have no cycle for about 12 months. Perimenopause can start anywhere between seven to 10 years beforehand for some people. And sometimes it can be induced earlier. And sometimes it can be induced very, very early for some people. So perimenopause has a massive impact on how people operate, how people function with their mood, their mental health, their movement, their sleep, all these kind of different things because things like night sweats, irritability, mental health, PMDD, depression, anxiety, insecurities about how we feel and how we look, those things can get really, really heightened through perimenopause. So the first stage to get your perimenopause looked at is to go to the doctor. If you feel off, like you know your body better than anyone else will ever know it. That's the fact. So if you don't feel right, like I remember I had a client recently and she was she felt like she was losing her mind, right? And I was kind of saying to her, I was like, right, have you gone to the doctor? She was like, yeah, I've gone to about three of the local GPs. I was like, okay, so have you, could we go to a different one? Is there a different one in this in the surgery that you have? 
And she was like, yeah, there's this new person. He's, he's quite young. And I was like, okay, well, we can try him because you've got free health care. So you, it's not going to cost you anything other than time. So we kind of proceeded to kind of say, right, these are my symptoms. I'm trying to create a case study for that person. And we went in or she went in and had the honest conversation with the doctor. And the doctor was, she described her symptoms and the doctor was like, have you ever had any of your tests done? I was like, no, your colleagues have kind of blocked me getting any of the tests done because they don't feel I'm perimenopausal enough in inverted commas. And the doctor kind of looked a bit stunned and he was kind of like, that's a bit silly. So she went and got her hormones checked through like a blood test. Okay, so it's like your normal blood test. When I got her hormones checked and she was in fact deep right in the middle of perimenopause. But she felt now that she had been heard and she felt that she had been seen. And that even from then, even from talking to her two days later and she hadn't even started on HRT, which was her choice, which is everyone's individual personal choice if they want to start it or not. But she felt heard and she just felt like a new person from coming out of it because she didn't feel like she was losing her mind. And now we are five or six months into it and she's absolutely smashing it. She's like, I think about over 20 pounds down and doing two sessions a week. That's all she's doing. And it's working for her because I know how busy she is with her young family. I know how busy she is with her work. I know how busy she is in general. So I'm trying to make it work for her and it's working for her. She's having a weekend. She has girly weekends away. She has date nights. She has parties. She has the odds social occasion as well so all these things can be managed so the things that sometimes it can be hard for people to accept that next stage as well and i see that sometimes with clients as well like as we get older it's not it's not nice like it's 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 hard sometimes it's hard on the on the mind if you feel your body is slowing down uh, like i know from going back to play football at the age of 30 or 35 last year haven't been out of the game for a long time I'm not saying I was playing at an elite level but I was playing at a higher level than I am now and to go back last year it basically took me a full year to get acclimatised to playing full matches again and this is the first season that I feel that I'm capable of doing it because it does knock your confidence I feel a lot fitter feel a lot more mentally sharp with positionings and stuff like that so I feel a lot calmer on things as well. But sometimes we can feel that as people go into their 40s, they can feel like a teenager inside. I never want you to lose that. But it's also important to remember that your body, your body kind of may not have the ability of a teenager as well. You might not be able to do the same things with the same energy levels or the amount of running that you're doing because there's so much stress going on you have kids you're running a business you're working and these changes of the hormones that i've spoken about already can interfere with energy levels as well and mood and take you a longer time to recover like i know after a match it takes me to about tuesday to feel semi-normal again and my matches are on saturdays but i know when i look at the young lads they're fine they're a little bit slower than the day of but it takes me a little bit longer you're more likely to experience niggles, maybe twinges, put more, maybe there's wear and tear on your body, like joints, muscles, ligaments, whatever it may be, or any pain. 
and these can these can be caused by previous injuries that you've had or you, there might be arthritis on setting in plus you also maybe have a sedentary job and you're less likely to be you're le you're less likely to be flexible and less likely to have it like as mo much of mobility as you were when you were younger so when we talk about kind of losing weight in your 40s the big difference when people say is well i used to eat like this in my 20s and i used to be able to look at it i didn't have to look at a plate of food and the calories wouldn't go on me and sometimes we forget that like you're not the same person you are in your teens or your 20s or your 30s you probably have more stress in your life you're probably putting other people first you're probably stressed to the max you've got financial stress house stress kids stress kids are sick marital stress relationship stress friendship stress all these kind of different things so it's not a it's not a comparable you can't make the comparison between that stage of your life and this stage of your life you need to look at it from a point of view of this is in the next chapter this is the, the current you and it's about adapting the situation like if you're always completely and utterly stressed all the time or overwhelmed overwhelm is essentially that you're doing an awful lot of things in your life that aren't adding to your values aka as mark manson would say you're spending your fucks elsewhere you have a certain amount of fucks to give in a day and you're spending them elsewhere other than you and that kind of creates that environment of maybe you don't feel worthy of it maybe self-esteem and self-worth are lower because we've created that culture for ourselves or maybe it was created for ourselves and we've just continued that as we've kind of got older but remember that if you are having any niggling pain or any injuries, please go and talk to a physio to get them looked at. Don't just ask a general PT or your mate down the road who read a book and ask them for advice. It's very easy to go down the Dr. Google route. Sometimes remembering that less is more and you'll get more impact out of less. So sometimes this, this can kind of freak people out because they feel they need to push themselves or burn more calories or they feel that they that they have to get a sweat on or they have to feel a burn whatever it may be um but despite what the diet and fitness industries will tell you you don't need to spend hours and hours each week in the gym the truth is that exercise is about three percent of the equation when it comes to weight loss and the reigning remaining 97 percent comes down to your habits and your mindset so sometimes that can make it harder isn't necessarily the, the the exercise it can be our relationship with it or our relationship with food you don't need to spend x amount of loads and loads of hours in the gym if you're exercising or if you're trying to lose weight you don't the food is the biggest piece the other thing that can make it really difficult for a lot of people is if they've kind of yo-yo dieted for a long time or they can create these stories and identify as I'm a yo-yo dieter or I'm a stress eater or I'm an emotional eater. Those stories can ramp up. Those things can happen. But you're none of those. You eat when stressed, but you're not a stress eater. You eat emotionally, but you're not a stress, you're not an emotional eater. So maybe the relationship of food that you have has been cultivated by slimming clubs or uh, other environments that you may have been in or you because the food isn't the issue it's how we see ourselves eating it is the issue for people 
So if you see yourself as being a bad person around carbs, you've got food rules or endless amounts of food rules around carbs and fats and sugar and alcohol, all these kind of different things. You're not going to allow yourself to have those. And when they do come in, you're going to judge yourself as being the worst person in the world. Now, don't get me wrong. There's certain stuff going on in this world right now. And I think there's people who are a lot worse people than you right now for having carbs, fats, sugars. So if you think of it like that way, just because you've had those foods doesn't make you a bad person. But every time you have those, you judge yourself. And people will say, well, it's hard to shift that habit. No, it's not hard to shift that habit. For a habit to form, you must see a benefit in doing that. So what benefit do you see in berating yourself when you potentially overeat or stress eat or have those types of foods? What benefit do you see? And some people won't be able to answer the question because they just latch onto that as a sentence that they believe in. But more often than not, it's a judgment piece. You're, you're trying to control the situation by putting yourself down first so no one else can make a comment about you or judge you before anyone else can. It's kind of like a control thing. You try to control the outcome. But the reality is food is still in control. Food is, is directing where you want to go. So you're not in control of the situation. But we try to be in control because humans love control. We love to control the outcome point A to B. We don't like A to B to C, D, D, E. We don't like that. Our computer, our internal computer cannot register that. So if your relationship with food is quite poor, I would fix that. You're not broken. The approach is. So if you're constantly trying to start a new diet on a Monday and it never works, there's the issue. The approach is the issue. But what happens every time people end up falling off the wagon, which isn't a thing, or pressing the fuck up button, which isn't a thing, it's just another way to justify your actions. Or I self-sabotage. You don't self-sabotage. your way of controlling the outcome. So you tell yourself to do what you're about to do. But if you look at every time that you may have overeaten, look at what you say to yourself beforehand or what you do beforehand. You starve yourself all week or even each day and then at the night you can't handle the overload with the food. Like I know now when I've got clients kind of I've got clients now who are kind of going to be stopping dieting in the next kind of week or two to kind of go into Christmas. And some are freaking out. Kind of like, well, the logic why I try to get clients to go up to maintenance around Christmas and before Christmas is, one, it will give your body a bit of a break because dieting is tiring and losing weight is can be tiring if done, like, if done right, it shouldn't be as exhausting as people can be but it can be this mental fatigue and a diet break is more of about a mental thing rather than anything because if you're dieting you're kind of reducing the, the foods you maybe are having less of your favorite foods you're still having some or some people will be silly and cut out them all because that never works but it almost builds that trust in your brain of like, right, I'm going to have that little bit more food. So when the the abundance of food around Christmas comes in, you're already, you're not shocked to the system that you're not going in from maybe a calorie deficit or more often than not, people will go into what they believe to be starvation mode, which is not, but they'll go from restriction mode, not be able to handle the abundance of chocolate and food and drink and all that kind of stuff at Christmas. 
and then beat themselves up for it. And then in January, they'll go back into the same thing because it's all they know how. So it's important to understand and look at your relationship with food right now in your 30s or 40s or 50s. If the approach that you take is impacting your relationship with food or making it worse, it's not going to go very well. You need to, with your training in your 40s, you need to make resistance training your focus. So one of the bigger influences on your metabolism is, is our muscle mass. Around 66% of our metabolism is influenced by our muscle mass, which means the higher the muscle mass, the faster our metabolism. Now there's new research kind of coming out and saying it may not be as impactful as that. So the research is always changing. So some form of resistance training should be part of everyone's workouts because as we get older, we lose muscle mass, which causes issues with bone health. It can cause issues elsewhere. And if we lose muscle mass and we fall, particularly for women, and you haven't got enough healthy bones, it will smash your bones into smithereens and it will take longer for you to recover from a fall. Your strength also declines as you get older. So think about this, without strength training, someone who is 40 years of age will have lost probably about anywhere between up to 50% of the strength they had in their 20s. And by the age of 60, the decline will be nearly as high as 70%. So this can be hard for people to accept. This can be hard for people to hear, to listen to. This can be hard for in general. And it's important to do a mix of cardio. And it's important to do a mix of weight training. Good for the head, good for the heart. That's the way to think about it. It's not about fat loss. And what this will do with this progressive overload when you're kind of like maybe increasing reps or increasing the weight that you were lifting, that would help to build more tension onto the muscle and the muscle will grow and you'll start to feel a little bit stronger. You get that feeling in your clothes, you'll start to feel more confident and your bones and your, your muscles will feel healthier. When exercising in your 40, it's really important to focus on the exercise that gives you back biggest bang for your buck. And from having this conversation with some of the people that I went to, they're like, well, they're like, I know weight training is more beneficial for me, but I just don't like it. I'm like, great. What do you enjoy? Well, I enjoy doing my swimming or my aqua aerobics. Like, great. Focus on that. Do what you enjoy. Do what you enjoy. So to start, if you are starting to weight train, get someone to help you. They'll start probably if they're worth their and if they're worth anything, they'll probably get you to start off slowly and build you up and build your confidence up. And then if you're going into the gym, maybe get a gym kind of someone to show you around the gym actually how to use the machines. Record yourself, and see if your form is okay, and if it's not, ask for advice. Maybe it's that you need to put something under your heels in order to make your not all the pain go down to your lower back or you, your hips are tight or your ankles are tight. You need to change that. Maybe your shoulders are tight. And you may, need to change the shoulder press or your lat raises or whatever it may be. You, you need to start off with machines and build confidence that way. Every single approach that I work with clients is completely different. 
it could be starting off compound lifts in order to kind of really target each specific muscle region. Maybe doing some warm-up exercise could help you. Maybe it's about increasing your mobility and your flexibility. Maybe it's actually getting some proper sleep and resting. So more often than not, it's not about the training itself. Often what helps people is the resting. So I was listening to an interview this morning and it was with a, an Arsenal footballer. He has played for Chelsea, he has played for Italy and he's played for Napoli, he's played for some of the, the bigger teams around the, the, the world, right? And they have got two, three matches a week at the minute. And they're like, we're not really training. We're spending so much time sleeping and resting. So that's a professional athlete telling you that they're not really training during the week. Sure, they're doing their maybe their activation exercise and doing like a little bit of core work or whatever, but the majority of the time is resting and sleeping. Now I'm not saying you're anywhere near as active as that person, but what I'm saying is if it's if it's about recovery and sleep and stress management for professional athletes. Don't you think the same rules apply to general population? Adequate rest means you'll properly recover from exercise sessions. You won't be sore. You'll be able to turn up to the next one and you won't leave it up to your mood. Sleep helps to recharge the body. Your phone is getting treated better than you currently at the minute. It gets charged every single night. But it also keeps your stress levels down. It also means that you'll be more focused and you'll be actually able to get stronger. Yes, there'll be nights where the kids wake up and get sick or you'll be nights where you're kind of overthinking something someone said at work or whatever it may be. But when you're actually focused and concentrating, there's nothing stopping you. But that comes down to motivation. It comes down to your mood. The days that really will make the difference are the days that you're not in the mood to do it. Like, if you think about it, like the perfect days that we have are very, very few and far between. They really are. They really are very, very few and far between. The days that maybe where you haven't slept well or the stress or something else has happened to us or we just don't feel like it, they're more common. And they're the days that are going to make the difference for someone who gets good results to the best results they've ever had. And that could be healing their relationship with food. That could be filling in a food diary or counting calories and they don't feel like it or asking for help. Like... The biggest difference between when clients are doing exceptionally well and the clients who are struggling are the ones who ask for help that little bit more often. The ones who can feel that they need to be independent or feel they don't know what to ask for can be the ones that can struggle that little bit more for themselves as well. So it's really, really important to like feel that you have someone in your pocket or that you can check in with and just kind of pop a message. And as I'm recording this, I can see messages kind of coming up on my WhatsApp, on my laptop, that people are looking for guidance, they're looking for support. Because they they want to get, they want help. And it doesn't matter what age that it is. It's also important to have rest times in between your exercises. It could be anywhere between 30 and 60 seconds, 60 seconds and 90 seconds, or it could be up to two minutes, depending on how much you are training. Rest will not slow down your results. In fact, it will increase it. So how to exercise for weight loss after 40 
it's still the exact same principle. It's still the exact same principle. It'll come down to 97.3, 3% exercise, 97 habits, beliefs, awareness, identity shifts, all those kind of different things. Can it be harder? Yes, but it's for different reasons than you think. It's not your metabolism. It could be life stresses. It could be financial stresses. It could be family stresses, emotional stresses, all these kind of different things. But it's also about managing your expectations as much as you can. That's the biggest difference. Your expectations need to be managed. Does it mean it's impossible? No. I've seen clients in the 60s, 70s and 80s get exceptional results. And results are different for me. What I mean by that is, it's not all about a transformation photo. I'm in. The, I'm on the fence right now, should I be using transformation photos at all? It's something I'm changing my mind on some days to other days. But I know people want social proof, social proof for what they are doing and what they can see. They want trust in that and that's how they see, but it doesn't give context behind what other people are doing. And for me, most importantly, what matters to me the most is someone is in a better relationship with food when they leave with me but i can't put that into a picture and get try and get a client to do a podcast episode which i've been very very grateful for but i've also got clients who will write out a testimonial but it's not and i'm very grateful for those but it's not as impactful as a transformation photo because People like to see that. They just see like, oh, I want to look like that. But that's the way people work. They want to be emotional. They don't want that side of things. So if you're in your 40s and you are struggling with weight loss, pop me a DM and let's get going for January. The female fat loss program starts on the 8th of January. It's 99 euro for eight weeks. So it's cheap as chips. So it's not a massive expense that you have to outlay in order to look after your health and be looked after. If you're in your 30s, 40s, 50s, 20s, teens, whatever it may be, pop us a message in relation to the female fat loss program and let's get started on the 8th of January, 2024. Make 2024 the year that you actually prioritize yourself for once. That will be the big difference. That will be the sticking point. So if you have any questions at all, let me know. If you've enjoyed this episode at all, please do tag and share up onto your stories. Thank you so much for listening.